just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're creeping in on the end of the week. And there's a lot of stuff popping, a lot of stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, I wanted to tell you kind of a personal story, something that happened last night. Now, it's not that compelling, doesn't have anything to do with politics, might even be a little embarrassing for me. But as you know, I've said it many times, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I'd be happy to tell anything embarrassing about me, especially this story. I just found it so cute. I'm going to pass it along. So in these first few minutes, I'm going to be like that grandparent that shows pictures and talks about their grandchild all the time and is annoying. But I'll try to keep it as short as possible and not try to be annoying. Anyhow, I go to uh, my step-grandson's soccer game. Now, uh, Grandma's out of town. She's not getting back till today. So I'm on my own. I'm going to meet my son, my daughter-in-law, my step-grandson, and my granddaughter there. We go to the games a lot. There's nothing more that I love than watching my kids play sports and now my grandkids play sports. It's like my favorite thing. I'll go see any game if my family is involved in it. Now, nine-year-old soccer is not uh, the highest level soccer, but it's fun to watch them having fun and interact with their their buddies and, and do what they do. Now, my daughter-in-law is one of the coaches, so she's on the field dealing with this situation. So my son is in charge of our granddaughter, his daughter, and she is a pistol. (laughs) And that's one of the things I love about her. She may be ending up more like Grandpa Boomer than they may like, (laughs) because she's she's got that little mischievous look in her eye, like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be cute doing it, so I'm going to get away with it. Anyhow... He's watched, He's trying to watch the game. She wants to be on the ground running around. Uh, my son says, do you mind keeping an eye on, on my granddaughter so uh, I can watch the game a little bit? I said, oh, you're giving me control of the granddaughter? He goes, well, yeah, you just go do whatever you do with her. I go, perfect. I've been waiting for this moment. So I take uh, this little girl, she's about 17 months old, out a little farther in the field. And these are on baseball diamonds. So there's this area where there's a fence and kind of a warning track where there's not so much grass, more gravel or more more dirt, actually, dirt and a little bit of grass. So we go over there, and she's running back and forth, having a great time. Uh, some horses go by, so she's excited about that. And then she starts running down the warning track. So I get next to her, and I act like I'm racing her, and she's laughing and looking at me and laughing and having a great time. It's going well. We get further down the warning track. And uh, I'm kind of stooping down low while trying to move relatively fast, but not that fast, uh, to be down on her level. Well, at some point, my head gets way too far over my feet. (laughs) And I'm 61 years old, not in the best shape, certainly not nearly as athletic as I once was. And so this is problematic. (laughs) I know I'm starting to stumble and I'm trying to regain my balance. 
Now, in normal situations, back when I was younger, it wouldn't have been a problem. I wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened. But I'm not. I'm old. I'm out of shape. And uh, yeah, I was too far gone in this situation. So I fell. I fell on my left side and on my front. Now, I wasn't going very fast, and I wasn't very far from the ground, so I wasn't going to get injured. But I did scuff up my clothes, my shirt, my pants, and all this stuff, and I fell down. Now, as I fell down, being a former father, I knew exactly what I needed to do. I needed to look at the kid, see where she was, and what she was doing. <laughs> and it was it was probably one of the cutest moments I've been involved with with her ever because she's only 17 months old. I fell down. I'm on the ground. I look at her, and she's just standing there with her eyes wide open and her mouth wide open. She doesn't know what's going on. Grandpa fell down. Is that bad? Is that good? Is he goofing around? What? She had no idea what was going on. But she looked at me for a couple of seconds, and then she turned and went to get my glasses. I have some reading glasses I wear on my head sometimes because I need them frequently. And she goes over and gets the glasses. Now, normally she likes to play with these glasses and bend them and do all that stuff, and they're cheap glasses, so it's not a big deal. But this time she picks up the glasses, walks over to me, looking very concerned. She hands me the glasses. And then she looks at me again, and then she comes over and hugs me and does her kiss, the way she does kisses, on my cheek. And I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. That was worth falling for, you know. I don't care how embarrassing it might look. That was worth it. And then she backs up and looks at me. And as soon as she gets the impression that I'm okay, she smiles. Then she bolts. I mean, she's gone. So now i got to get up off my fat ass and cha- chase this kid so she doesn't run in the middle of the soccer field. I tell you what, that little girl wore me out. She wore me out. I don't know that I could be a uh, a parent these days because I just don't have the stamina or the athletic ability to keep up with these little guys. Now, she's got short legs. She's 17 months old, but it was a task keeping up with her. So the rational boomer fell on his face. <laughs> his 17-month-old granddaughter consoled him and then got the hell out of Dodge. All right, let's talk about some of the things that are happening in the news. We've got a uh, we've got a situation going on in in government, in Congress, and with the president and such. We're coming to a point where we're going to need to raise the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling is a is a point that you set where you're not supposed to go above it. Now, the interesting thing about debt ceilings, a lot of countries used to do it. They don't do it anymore because it's just drama. It really doesn't do anything if you're coming up on the debt ceiling and uh, uh, you're not going to be able to stay under it. you got to change it or shut the country down. We've seen this a couple of times, but uh, it always ends up the same. The debt ceiling is raised or whatever. So now the Republicans, of course, are really concerned about this. They haven't been for the last four and a half years, but they are now. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) It's funny. They're real concerned about the debt, the national debt. They don't want any of this crazy spending that the Democrats are planning 
They don't want to do that. That's just irresponsible, fiscally irresponsible. We're not going to keep raising the debt so these Democrats can can spend wildly. But what they're forgetting about is that during the Donald Trump era, the term of the Trump administration, they raised the debt to, by $7 trillion, bigger than anybody ever has. And when they raised it to $7 trillion, none of these Republicans blinked a freaking eye. Joe Manchin didn't blink an eye. I mean, they're ta- we're talking about $2 trillion in a tax break to rich people who don't fucking pay taxes. Didn't blink an eye. $740 billion to the Defense Department. Now, keep in mind, We spend a lot of money on defense. The 26 countries below us, add it all together, don't spend as much as we do. And most of those people are allies. So why the hell are we doing it? Well, we're doing it because the Republican buddies, the the arms manufacturers, have an inside track. The government makes sure that they get tons of business. The manufacturers then stuff the pockets of the uh, Senate and the Congress. And it's just a big grift against us. It's a big grift against us. Now, I'll tell you how important this debt ceiling was to the Republicans. For about two or three years, they suspended the debt ceiling. Yeah, they were spending crazy and horrible things, not us, but everything else. And they just suspended the debt ceiling so there was no limit to what they could spend. They just ran roughshod. They spent whatever they wanted to, paid off their buddies, did what, you know, paid for a war, did all these things. And that was cool. But now all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, now that... Joe Biden and the Democrats want to give some money back to us to help maintain this country, whether it be in health care, education, new technology, green technology, infrastructure. Now, all of a sudden, well, the cupboard is bare. We can't we can't afford that. No. Republicans don't believe that when it comes to paying the people who provided the money in the fucking first place, there's no money to give it back to them. Now, I'm not much of an investor. Never really did invest much. It's probably to my detriment. Fortunately, my wife did. So we cool. (laughs) But I didn't. And uh, and, uh, what's interesting is, is once we get these infrastructure bills passed, both of them, the big one and the little one, this is going to do a lot for this country's economy. It's going to help out a lot. It's going to increase the stock market. It's going to get more jobs. And uh, it's, it's going to improve salaries. It's going to improve everything, really. It's, it's probably one of the biggest set of bills passed since Delano Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So this is going to have a big impact on this country and the people in this country. So why do the Republicans not want to do it? Well, because the Democrats are suggesting it. And if it gets done, it's going to look good, and it's going to make the Democrats look good, and the Republicans don't want that. Now, if they're thinking, they go along with it. 
that go along with it so they could take some credit too. But they don't think beyond the end of their nose. They just don't want to agree with the Democrats. But you see, the problem here is the problem here is, is this fighting is between Democrats and Republicans with total disregard to the people that provided the money in the first place. Let me explain it to you this way. If you're an investor and you have a portfolio, where are you going to put your next investments? Probably in your most productive part of your portfolio the place that's making money, that's generating money for you, not the place that's making no money for you. But see, the Republicans have it mixed up. They want to get it to the rich folks. But now we're finding out that the rich folks don't pay any taxes. So basically, you're taking taxes out of the middle income people and giving it to the rich. You talk about transferring wealth Well, that's exactly what they're doing, but they're taking it from the middle class to make the wealthy wealthier, and they're all for that. So if you're an investor, wouldn't you give money back to the middle class, make them grow, make them prosper, make them flourish? Since they're the ones providing most of the money that keeps everything running in this country, wouldn't you want to keep them healthy? Makes sense. It makes financial sense. It makes moral sense. But that's not what the Republicans will do because they want to give it to the rich people because then the rich people put money in their pockets. Like I say, it's all a big Republican grift. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to say Democrats do it too. Yes, they do. They do do it too, and we need to address that. But on this instance, when we're talking about infrastructure bills, the big one and the small one, the Democrats are behind it. So let's take that for all it's worth. Get that thing passed. Get money into the pockets and into the lives of the people who provide most of the money, where the portfolio is productive, so we can perpetuate that productivity. It only makes sense. You see, Republicans are looking at the short term, and I've said this before. You keep giving money to the rich and taking it away from the middle class, eventually you'll kill the middle class. And if you kill the middle class, you kill the country because now the rich can't even get money because the middle class has been tapped out. How fucking hard is that to understand? It's pretty simple, actually. But I've compared them to the dog with the dog food. You pour dog food in the dish, the dog eats it. You pour more dog food in it there, the dog eats it. You keep doing that. That dog will eat till it explodes. And apparently that's what the Republicans and the rich people will do. They'll keep stealing money, keep stealing money until the whole fucking system breaks. And then they'll say, what the hell happened? Well, it's pretty easy to think about. These people don't want the infrastructure bills. They don't want to put money back into the people who are the base of the productivity in this country. Instead, they'd rather give it to somebody who's going to fill their pockets. And that is the problem with government. Democrats do it too. But in this instance, they want to get these things passed. So I'm on their side for the moment. Once these are passed, we can look at the Democrats and decide, okay, now what the fuck are you doing? My goal isn't to be on a Republican side or the Democrat side. I'm just going to be on the right side, the side that benefits us Americans. That's where we should be. If you're working for us, if you're doing things for us, then you have my vote. You have my support. If you're not, fuck off, because we don't need you at that point. 
But this has been a long decades of brainwashing. I mean, it's always funny to me. You can go in the deep south and find some guy who lives in a trailer, has no money, can barely buy food for his kids. You'll say, I'm a Republican. Really, motherfucker? These people are ripping your money off, disregarding you, giving it to the rich, and you still want to support them. That's either stupidity or being brainwashed. In this case, I think it's a combination of both. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, we're going to have to fight for this a little bit. Joe Biden's going to have to work. Congress is going to have to work. Senate is going to have to work. And um, we're going to have to pass this bipartisan bill, and hopefully the Senate does what they say they're going to do. We get that passed. But the progressives and some of the Democrats don't want to pass that bill until we get some assurances on the big bill. That was the deal. And now we've got Joe Manchin saying, ah, we should take a pause on that and just pass the bipartisan bill. Nice try, pal. I've been in business for a while. I know that ploy. You pass the partisan bill, you get what you want, and then you say, well, let's think about this for a while. You delay it, you delay it, and then it never happens. You might be mad at the progressives for holding that over the head of the bipartisan bill because we do need something done, but you've got to deal with these fucking idiots like that because they're not trustworthy. If you don't demand and pressure and fight to get what you want in order for them to get what they want, you're going to lose. And that has been the problem with the Democrats all along. What the uh, Democratic progressives are doing by saying, I'm going to hold your bipartisan bill hostage until you give our bill. This is what the Republicans have been doing for decades. They've been doing it to the Democrats over and over and over again. And now the Republicans are in a position to play this game, and the Democrats can hold it over their head. But now, of course, the Republicans will say, well, see, the Democrats don't even want to do the bipartisan bill. That's a ploy. That's a strategy. That is absolute bullshit. You need to play hardball in this situation. Get both infrastructure bills done because you know what? You may not get another one for a long, long time. And this is important. This is uh, history making with these two infrastructure bills being passed. So it'll be interesting to see how tough the Democrats are. But again, you know, we've got these Republicans talking about this debt ceiling. Oh, we don't want to go any higher. They didn't give a fuck about the debt ceiling when Donald Trump was in. Like I said, $7 trillion added to the debt. Nobody talked about anything. Nobody wrung their hands or clutched their pearls worrying about the money being spent. But now the Democrats want to give it back to us, and oh, God, we can't afford it. You need to understand the whole situation. I wish I could talk to some of these dumbass Republicans and explain it in these terms. Then maybe, just maybe, they could comprehend it. Eh, doubt it. But I'd like to try anyway. But they aren't going to listen to me. They're going to listen to Hannity or fucking Tucker Carlson tell them lies. Don't get the mask. Don't get the vaccination. Even though they all wear a mask and they all get vaccinated. These people are lying to these people, and they aren't smart enough to get information from someplace else. It's very frustrating. And at this point, we need to overwhelm them. No matter what we have to do, we have to overwhelm them. 
We've got uh, 2022 election. This is absolutely crucial that we blow out more Republican senators. We've got to take Joe Manchin out of the mix. Take his power away. He's this dipshit senator who's got a lot of money, who's from West Virginia, holding the rest of this country hostage. That has to be done. He has to be gone. Well, he doesn't even have to be gone. He probably won't be gone. But there has to be enough senators where he isn't a factor anymore. He can do what he wants, but we have enough senators on our our side to get things passed um, properly. So I'm hoping, against hope, that on 2022, some of these Republicans who think it's a shoe-in that they're going to be elected to the Senate and the House and take control— I don't believe that's true, and we've talked about that before, but let's hope everybody gets out in huge numbers and votes because there's more Democrats than there are Republicans, and if everybody does their job, they're fucked, and I'd like to see them be fucked. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, we're back. Just a quick take. We've all heard that Norm MacDonald passed away. That's uh, kind of distressing for me. I like Norm MacDonald. He wasn't necessarily my most favorite comedian, but he is uniquely funny. There's something unique about this guy, and he was pretty funny on Saturday Night Live and since that time. So it's a sad day that Norm MacDonald passed away far too early. And this is a stressing point for me is that uh, Norm MacDonald and I are exactly the same age. We're both 61. He might be about six, seven months older than I am, but right now we're both 61, and Norm passed away. That's what happens when you get older. You see more and more people in your peer group passing away for any number of reasons. Now, as I understood it, Norm MacDonald had cancer. Nobody really knew about it because he didn't want it to affect his performances or his family upset. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's what he did. But it's a sad day to see Norm MacDonald die. He uh, was a funny guy. And he was one of these guys that didn't play by the rules. You know, he did whatever he wanted to do. And I can appreciate somebody like that. That's what I try to do. I mean, I think I think one of the things people need to understand, whether they're going to be talking to other people, be in management, be on TikTok, be in a podcast. So many people sit down in front of a mic and they try to think to themselves, how should I do this? What's going to get the most attention? And I've seen that a lot when I had a recording studio. People get in front of the mic, think they got a great voice, but they don't know the mindset they need for sitting in front of that mic. And the mindset is to not have really a mindset about it. People are insecure about how they sound, how they talk, and what they'll try to do is an imitation of what somebody else they think is good doing it. And you see that in comedy, too. You see people just kind of taking off on some other comedians and doing something similar. 
Norm MacDonald wasn't like that. He was unto his own. He was different. And that's part of what made him funny. And I think Norm MacDonald is a good lesson for a lot of people, whether they be in podcast, TikTok, Facebook, uh, in a management position, talking to uh, people in a business situation. The first and foremost thing you need to do if you're talking to a bunch of people, it's the easiest thing to tell you, but the hardest thing for you to do. And that is to simply be yourself. Just talk to people in this forum or any other forum as if you would be talking to somebody on your couch next to you. You got to have the confidence that you have enough sense and you sound smart enough that you can pull it off by just being yourself. Naturally, people try to adjust or try to up their game if they will, but all you do is come off sounding insincere and uh, not genuine. One thing about Norm MacDonald, he was genuine. You, whether you like his comedy or not, he was genuine. And it's a sad day that uh, Norm MacDonald passes away. He will be missed. All right. Let's talk about the other news story that was, well, there's a couple news stories. We'll get to them both. But uh, the other news story that was really kind of upsetting was the uh, congressional hearing with all the young female gymnasts from Team USA, who suffered at the hands of Dr. Larry Nasser, the Team USA doctor, who sexually abused a bunch of these young women. And these young women weren't just some women you never heard of. They were women that uh, went on to some standing, very talented, gold medal winners, silver medal winners, people like Simone Biles, and some of the others. Well, they testified in front of Congress, and certainly they're upset what this monster, Dr. Larry Nasser, did. But Dr. Nasser is now in jail for 18 years. He's been convicted. Probably should have gotten life, but he's in jail for 18 years. What was troubling about this particular hearing is that... Uh, what these young women were complaining about was that they spoke to law enforcement. They spoke to the FBI. They made their complaints, and those complaints were largely disregarded. They made the complaints to Team USA, and they were largely disregarded. Nothing was done. Nothing was said. They just kind of sat on their hands on this whole thing. And in fact, when things started to come out, the FBI tried to cover it up. They didn't act on this situation. They know that was wrong. And when it starts to come out, now they try to cover it up. Well, that's very upsetting. But this is what's been happening to uh, females, athletes or otherwise, for decades. Women will get sexually abused or raped. And then they try to blame it on the woman. How was she dressed? Why was she in this area? What was she doing? Well, why did this happen? Well, this happened because you got a fucked up individual who happens to be a male who can't control his sexual urges or his need to control somebody. That's what happened. And when you have somebody like that, you have to put the motherfuckers in jail because they're a danger to society. Now, as I say, FBI and police and Team USA largely disregarded it 
because we're talking largely about men talking about this. And this is the perception that men have about this, and this is where they're very wrong. Now, if Team USA announces that this guy has been sexually abusing people, that's going to affect their credibility. It may affect their money. They're going to get sued. They're going to do all this stuff. So when they're thinking just business, they're going to cover it up so that it could go away. Now, that's fine if you do that, but wouldn't you get rid of Larry Nasser if he's the source of this trouble? Okay, cover it up if you want, but get rid of the motherfucker. But they didn't do that. They kept him. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like the Catholic Church with the pedophile priest. Oh, he got caught. Let's just send him to another church. Doesn't matter if he's going to abuse some other children. But here's the perception of men in a situation with rape. And being a man, I think I can honestly tell you. Now, I don't think like this. I know better than this, but I have an above average intelligence. And these dumb fucks typically don't. Men look at the situation when a woman is raped as a moment in time, an incident, something that happened, and then it's over. So, oh, this is bad. I'll talk to him, but it'll be okay. It doesn't matter. It'll be fine. But what they don't understand, whether a child is abused, and some of these women were children under the age of 18, and, and actually most of them were, so this is a... Uh, pedophile situation as well. What they don't understand is this one event, this one moment in time also damages the rest of their lives. You've taken these talented young women and essentially destroyed their lives because of this monster, Dr. Larry Nasser. And then when they come to the authorities to ask for help, they say, yeah, it's no big deal. You're cool. They totally disregard the women. They make excuses for the uh, criminal, and these poor women have to suffer through it for the rest of their lives. And it's not just these women that are gymnasts. It's women down the block. It's your sister. It's your mom. It's your wife. It's a daughter-in-law. It's a granddaughter. Now, I have a granddaughter who's 17 months old. If down the road when she's in her mid-teens and somebody abuses her, I got to tell you, there's going to be a death penalty imposed. <laughs> I figure when she's seven, when she's 16, I will be, what, 76, 77? If somebody hurts her and I kill somebody, maybe they send me to jail, but how much time could I have left? I'm 76 years old, 77 years old. Go ahead, put me in jail. I'll do whatever I have to do. I got maybe two, three years after that, so fuck it. At least we've gotten some revenge in one piece of shit off the face of the earth. I know, you know, a lot of people talk big like this, and you're probably saying, well, he's just talking big. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. Not because I don't know now, I'm 61, but when I'm 76, what will, be, what will my mindset be? I'll still care for that little girl no matter how old she is, and I will want revenge, but at 76... Um, what do you do? What do you do? This is a very troubling problem at this point. We need to change the mindset with law enforcement, with the FBI, with the DOJ, and we need to protect these young women and men too. I'm sure this happens with men as well in the same kind of setting. 
We need to protect these people. We need to listen to them. We need to believe them. And we need to take action so it doesn't fucking continue. And if you're not willing to do that, well, then you're culpable too. You're at fault too, and you should pay a price. And I'm not just talking about a lawsuit. I'm talking about a legal price. If you're an accessory to a rape, you should go to jail. And maybe at that point, if it becomes very clear to these Team USA officials or FBI, then maybe they'll think twice and do their goddamn job. Now, what's going to be interesting is that um, come next month, Attorney General Merrick Garland is going to come before Congress and address this situation. And I got to tell you, I like Merrick Garland. I thought he was a good choice for the Attorney General. But I ain't seen shit yet. I haven't seen him do anything. We got to get on this stuff with the insurrectionist, with Donald Trump, with the Trump administration. There's a lot of things, Matt Gates. there's a lot of things going down, but I haven't seen any action yet. Yes, I know it takes time. I've been a big proponent of telling people it takes time. But at some point, something has to come down. You can't just leave it hanging until people forget about it because they've done that in the past. Just let people go because everybody forgot about not important now. Now, we're not going to forget. I'm not going to forget about Matt Gates, Donald Trump, the Trump administration, the insurrectionists. I will never forget that until there is some accountability made with these people. Now, Merrick Garland is going to come before Congress. Now, he's going to have to address some big questions. The thing about it is most of this stuff, all of this stuff happened before Merrick Garland was even the attorney general. So he doesn't have to take any blame on himself because he wasn't there. But there are people still working in the FBI under Merrick Garland in the DOJ that are guilty of this stuff. Now, I know the first thing is that an attorney general will try to protect his department. But we've got to weed these people out. These are bad seeds and they need to be thrown out the fucking window. And it's about time we see Merrick Garland step up and actually do something. Don't just give us these nice conversations and these nice um, speeches. I want to see some fucking action, and I want to see some action soon. If we don't start making people accountable, we're going to see more of these crimes. That's the whole point of arresting, indicting, and trying and convicting criminals. It's a deterrent for other criminals to do the same thing. And unless you want this stuff to continue, you need to do that. So I'm hoping, I'm praying that Merrick Garland will step up and fucking do something. All right, one other uh, conversation or news story I have here. And this is about General Mark Milley of the Joint Chiefs. He's the head guy with the Joint Chiefs uh, overseeing all of the military. Now, he's getting all kinds of heat because a new book came out called uh, Peril by Bob Woodward of Watergate fame, a well-respected journalist, and Robert Costa, also a very well-respected journalist, probably one of the most well-respected journalists, both of them, uh, in Washington, D.C. today. Well, in their book, they talk about Mark Milley um, talking to... uh, leader Xi with China. These are in the last days of the Trump administration. 
And we know we all talked about it when Trump lost the election. We knew that Trump was crazy and that he had the ability to do some crazy things. We've seen it since with the insurrection and all these sorts of things. But we also thought that he might be crazy enough to start a war, press a nuclear bomb button just to mix things up and keep himself in power. He was that desperate. Everything we hear about what was going on in the West Wing or in the Oval Office at that time sounds chaotic. He was upset. He was manic. He was screaming and yelling and swearing at everybody in his office because he wasn't getting his way. Well, this dumb fuck just lost the election. Sorry, you lost. No matter how many times you say there's election fraud, nobody's been able to prove it. Nothing has come through. You're done. You're gone. January 20th, pack your bags and get the fuck out. Well, he wasn't going to stand for that. Now, during that period of time from November 3rd to January 20th, that is a very important time. It's a very dangerous time. You've got the transition of power. It needs to be peaceful. But of course, Donald Trump wasn't given any information to the Biden administration you got to give them information so they can take over on the 20th and hit the ground running. But instead, he didn't tell them about Afghanistan, the deal he cut there, or anything else that was going on. He basically said, fuck it, I'm not helping you. You go ahead and start on your own. Well, Joe Biden did that. He did the best he could with that. He made some mistakes with Afghanistan? Hell yeah. But he had no choice because he didn't know what to expect. And Donald Trump had gamed this situation, let out 5,000 uh, Taliban fighters, and made it more difficult. It's like he set it up to make it rough on Joe Biden, which is certainly in his bailiwick. So this is all going on. It's crazy. Nobody knows what the hell Donald Trump is doing. So the Chinese government, the leader of the Chinese government, calls General Mark Milley, and they're freaking out. They're freaking out because here's the biggest world power with nuclear strike capability and a crazy-ass unhinged president ranting and raving and especially talking about China because they apparently helped Biden, which isn't true. But that's what they're screaming about. So China's thinking to himself, this crazy fuck might bomb us. They might bomb us. So now Milley has to do something to calm down China. Because China and his, their president aren't the most level-headed motherfuckers either. If these guys get nervous enough that Donald Trump might do something, what are they going to do? They're going to preemptively strike America just so they don't have to take the brunt of whatever Donald Trump might do. So here's Mark Milley in the middle, a general, head of the Joint Chiefs. He's got a crazy fucker on one side, and he's got... The Chinese government, who just is crazy. We don't know if Donald Trump's going to send off a nuke. China doesn't know if he's going to send off a nuke. So maybe they get scared enough and try to preemptively hit us, like I said. Send a nuke over here. Well, Mark Milley's got to do something here to settle this situation down. You've got two groups that are fucking crazy, and that could be the end of the world. So now Mark Milley tells President Xi, he says, look, if anything like an attack is going to happen, I'm going to give you a heads up. Don't worry. Just calm down. I'm not going to let it happen without you knowing. And that calms she down to a certain extent. Now, that act right there is not a proper act for a general. To give your adversarial country 
a heads up if there is to be attack. So it'd be like, you know, the Japanese calling Americans say, yeah, we're going to hit Pearl Harbor. That would have changed the whole situation. And it's not a smart thing or even a legal thing for a general to do. But he was in an unusual, a difficult situation. The rules didn't really apply here because nothing was within the rules. Donald Trump wasn't acting within the rules, and he himself was concerned that he was unhinged and could do anything. So then he also went to his people beneath him and said, look, if you see something coming down the pike, you need to tell me first. Let me handle it. And, you know, and as an example of something like that happening, we know that Donald Trump had uh, plans of pulling the troops out of Afghanistan on January 15th before he left office. He did this memo, but nobody saw it. He tried to do it under the wire. He also was going to take people out of Somalia. So now we've got proof that he's willing to do that sort of thing. So what if he sends a memo that says, let's bomb the piss out of China? If that somehow gets through some way, the bomb goes off, we got all kinds of chaos, he stays president, he doesn't care who dies, and all of a sudden we got a war with China. So Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, really can't play within the rules right now. He's got a an emergency situation. He's got to settle this down to make sure these fucking idiots aren't lobbing bombs, nuclear bombs at one another. So he tells she, look, just calm down. I got control of this. Yeah, he's fucking crazy, but nothing's going to happen until it comes to me. I'm not going to let it happen. If something happens, I'm going to give you a heads up. Don't worry. Well, now the Republicans, even some Democrats, and of course, these fucked up media people are making it a big thing. And it is a big thing, I guess. But the big thing isn't what they're focusing on. The big thing to them is, well, General Mark Milley overstepped his bounds. He did something illegal. He should be fired. He should resign. (laughs) But what about the illegalities of Donald Trump and doing the things he did and being in the condition he was in? I'm willing to bet if you told Mark Milley, you do this, you're going to have to resign. He would have still done it. Because this was about the safety of this country, which is his job. But it was also the safety of this world and our future in this world. If he didn't do what he did, who knows what could have happened. So to put Mark Milley on the, uh, on the, in the gallows because he did this, because it's not necessarily normal procedure, is ridiculous. Because what was going on with Donald Trump wasn't normal procedure. You don't see presidents go off half-cocked and threatening to do all kinds of things that could put us into a war that will affect us long after Donald Trump is dead, only because he wants the attention, only because he wants to maintain power. So I'd be happy to argue with any Republican. Mark Milley did exactly what he should have done in that situation. It took courage and it took nerve. And if you want to fault him for it, fuck you. Would you rather have the alternative? That's bullshit and you know it. So Mark Milley is a hero in my mind, and anybody with common sense can see that if you understand the whole situation of the circumstances. All right, we're down to that time. (laughs) I'm going to go out. Uh, I got a game with uh, my uh, step-grandson on Saturday. I see my little granddaughter. I try not to fall on my face or have a face plant. 
Can't guarantee anything because she's a runner. And I'll run right with her just to make sure she's safe and keep looking at that smiling face. I'll probably be back um, sooner than that with another podcast. I appreciate you listening. People have talked to me about doing it every day. I'm kind of getting closer to that because we're just talking about news and uh, news changes every day. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Feel free. Or you can go to anchor.fm, look up Rational Boomer, and leave me a voicemail. You can do that as well. I'm always anxious to hear from you. But we're going to wrap things up for the day, and we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.